Hi, I'm Tom Hansen. And I'm Kat Hansen. In 2014, our son Harding was diagnosed with congenital heart disease. And since then, we have experienced the ups and downs that come along with being a CHD parent. In this podcast, we share some of the lessons we've learned along the way and the things we wish we knew at the start of our journey. In each episode, we also chat with CHD experts to get their stories of hope, encouraging insights, and valuable resources to give parents like us the right help at the right time. This is the Hope and Courage Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. Today we're talking to Amy Lee. She is a heart warrior. Uh, she is also an author. She authored the the Snow Trilogy. It's uh, this amazing real life story of her mom leaving Vietnam with her uh, to come to America. And she also owns her own publishing company called Quill Hawk Publishing. She's just an incredible person. We can't wait for you to hear from her today. Yeah, I think just hearing her story is really inspiring. I know as uh, parents of a child with CHD, one of the biggest things that we're always looking for is show me an adult, a successful adult who is uh, living a great life and happy and fulfilled, uh, who is living with CHD. And that's always an encouragement. So I love it whenever we have guests like this. Yeah, it's so encouraging to see how well she's doing and how far she's come. Uh like I said earlier today, you're going to hear about her story. It's an incredible story um, about her mom and her and how they kind of came out of Vietnam, how they did that and then came to America and how they adapted to life here and kind of how Amy's CHD is woven into all of that. Yeah, absolutely. And we're just going to talk also about the importance of community, mm-hmm. just having people around you, right? It takes a village. Mm-hmm. Um, and Amy's story is a great testament to that as well. And we're also going to talk about how important it is to be an advocate for your child and just what an amazing impact that has on their lives. Yeah, it's a great conversation. So let's get to the podcast. Yep. Amy Lee, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. It's truly an honor. I'm, I'm very excited to chat with you today. Yeah, we, us are, too. we are very excited as well. Um, so just to kick things off, we'd love to just learn a little bit about you. So what's your story and what's your connection to uh, CHD? Well, I was born in uh, 1974, nine months before the fall of Saigon. And I was born with a hole in my heart, a congenital heart defect, um, which we later found was an atrial septal defect, which Mm -hmm. nowadays I understand is pretty easy to resolve. Um, But back then in 1974, not so easy especially when the government uh, is being overturned and there's a war going on and everything is collapsing, right? Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of my, my little history there. We had basically no medical personnel. We had no hospitals. We had no medicine. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't even have the money because um, everything was changing from piastres to the dong. And mm-hmm. so if you can imagine that being born into that environment where everything was just in disarray, um, it was a little chaotic, but yeah. that's kind of the genesis of, um, of my being is being born into this war-torn country, uh, to a single mom, even though I did have a, a father, uh, we later found out that he had another family. And, um, mm-hmm. so he, you know, he ended up leaving the country and, uh, leaving us behind. So tell me more. I'm so intrigued. <laughs> so, <laughs> So how did you, how, what was it like growing up there? And then how did you uh, make your way to the United, United States? Yeah, so 
Gosh, it was, uh, so 1979 was when my mom finally made it out of the country. And she took with her my cousin, who was 16 at the time. He and I um, were on this boat with 41 other refugees. And my mom actually took several years to try to raise enough money to secure a seat on this little rickety shrimp trawler that we were on to get out of the country. Mm -hmm. And every time she tried, you know, she was thwarted. Uh, whether, you know, there was a medical situation where money just went out the door or, you know, she had to feed the family. She was the youngest of seven children. And Mm. she also didn't have a lot of life skills. You know, she was very dependent on her siblings and um, she thought she had a husband that was going to take care of her. Of course, her world just collapsed um, almost overnight. But uh, my mom, you know, being the hustler that she is and, and the amazing CHD parent, parent that she uh, was, she figured out a way to sell illegal medicine and whatever contraband she could find in the black market to raise money to get us out of the country. And so that was how we eventually left and uh, spent five, I think it was five days, four nights out in the open seas um, with nothing. You know, one thing I do remember is just being sick all the time, being weak all the time. And Mm -hmm. the journey itself was, um, in a way it was kind of beautiful because you're out in the middle of the ocean and you just see water all around you. You see the horizon and the sunsets and, you know, just nature in general. But, uh, I'm sure if we talked to my mom, she would have a totally different, different perspective, you know, and, and I wrote that in my book about how our journey ultimately took us to a refugee camp before we were uh, rescued and sponsored to the United States. And that was really where my life began because, you know, when I was born, I was told, or my mom was told that I wasn't going to live past the age of five. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was her motivation to, to fight for that, um, for mm-hmm. my life and get us out of the country, find us medical attention. I was, lucky to end up in Seattle where of all places there was a particular cardiologist who was very specialized in the valve repair that I needed he was triple board certified and it was just God putting us all together in one place at the right moment right time and he saved my life you know after six years or sorry six months of living in America, trying to figure out what we're going to do with me. And then when I finally collapsed and then ended up in Seattle Children's Hospital, um, he of all places, he of all people uh, was the right person to, to fix me. And it was a one and done situation. So I was very, wow. very lucky. Yeah. Man. And so do you, you remember um, what it was like to live with the condition? Do you remember what it was like when you kind of, realized that your anatomy had changed and do you kind of remember that feeling what i do remember is um always feeling winded you know Mm -hmm. and you know in school like you're always like having to run the mile or you're part of you know pe physical education doing the gym stuff and i always felt bad because i could never finish first in the mile i was always last um Mm -hmm. 
my mom didn't understand English enough at the time to really fight for me at school where she was mm -hmm. able to like ask the doctors to write a note or, you know, give me some kind of medical excuse. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I just powered through and I was again, blessed. I definitely had an angel looking over me because I could have easily collapsed and had heart failure. Mm -hmm. um, but I finished those miles, you know, and I ended up joining a volleyball um, team when I was in sixth grade and would travel and play volleyball. We, you know, sucked, but <laughs> <laughs> it was still, uh, um, you know, one of those things where I felt normal, you know, even though I wasn't the best, the most athletic, whatever, I still had a normal childhood for what that, you know, for what my mom was able to do for us. Man, what an incredible story. What was your, uh, I'm just curious about your mom. Like what was your mom's life like here in, in the U S um, after that? She was amazing. Like she came here when she was in her forties, single. And, um, of course she had a 16 year old, uh, nephew to take care of, but he was never home. And she fought so hard to acclimate to American society. She ended up getting her OMD, which is an oriental medicine doctorate in acupuncture. So education was very important to her. Um, we were on welfare for a year when we first came as refugees and she, <laughs> she would go to school and try to learn how to cook. And, um, cause she was the youngest of seven, like I said, and she never had mm -hmm. to cook and take care of herself. So she had to feed me and I mm -hmm. ate sandwiches for a whole year. It was horrible, but, um, <laughs> she went to school to learn sandwiches, like so many different kinds of sandwiches. But, you know, after that year of being on, welfare she got this amazing job with the seattle times and she was a media coordinator and wow. she started to piece these articles together and format them and figure out where the stories were laid out on this piece of paper right um yeah. and looking back i realized that was really my first introduction to writing and journalism mm -hmm. and um so anyways my mom was an incredible woman and she did this all on her own you know, my dad, like I said, was in uh, in America, but with another family. And through the years, she just figured out now it took a community. And as you know, whatever adversities we face, we have to understand we're not alone, especially mm -hmm. if we can connect with the community to help us every step of the way. And um, mm -hmm. my mom was really good about finding that community to help her. As a parent now, what things have you kind of seen yourself? Have you modeled your mom in in, uh, in parenting? Have you seen your mom come out in you as you've kind of uh, stepped into a parenting role? That's a good question. You know, I my mom was very strict. Um, she, I, I can't tell you how many times I had to face the wall and just stare at it for hours, <laughs> or I would have to lay down and she would spank me with a frying pan or a ruler or whatever, <laughs> because yeah. I was so naughty. Um, in that respect, I am totally different from my mom and how I yeah. raised my son Preston, you know, um, but I still, one of those things where parents can give you the stink eye and that's all you need. I'm really good about giving the stink eye and that's all that <laughs> <I need. laughs> Yeah. But wow. in, yeah, parenting wise, uh, I'm very different from my mom, but I will say that through it all, she, she loved me so much. You know, I was mm -hmm. rotten as a kid. Um, very, very, um, feisty. 
and she always loved me. She always forgave me. And I take that obviously with my son, very, um, very forgiving, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure. That's, uh, I, I would not expect, you know, a child who's just gone through this huge upheaval and who's sick and, you know, struggling to behave well. <laughs> it, yeah. would, it would just be, yeah, I can totally understand that. And your mom, to to go through what she went through and to work as hard as she did to, you know, get you to a place of safety and get you to a place where you could have medical care, you know, like, that just blows my mind. Like, what won't a CHD parent do? You know what I mean? Like, we will go to the ends of the earth for our kids to, to give them what they need. And she is like the ultimate example of that. And I just think that's, it's so inspiring. And I'm just thinking like, gosh, like in the U S like, you know, you could be born somewhere and like the children's hospital is like two hours away, you know, and that's an inconvenience, but like to be born somewhere where there's just no, I mean, there's no health insurance, right. Probably at that point. And like, the government's in a huge upheaval and and all that stuff. I just can't imagine your mom was fighting such an uphill battle, you know? Um, yeah. And, and I, to, and to see her come, you know, be able to get out of that and come to America and live this incredible life and get you the help you need and, you know, get these amazing opportunities. It's just, it's just such a good, inspiring story. Thank you. My, um, you know, I've ne- I never met until Lisa Colville. I never met another Vietnamese CHDer, mm. another warrior. You yeah. know, and so in that respect, growing up, I was uh, very alone. Right. Sure. Didn't know anybody who had a heart condition, but to also be Vietnamese and looking around you, and there's like, there's nobody who is Vietnamese. They're all white. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up in a very Caucasian um, society or, or school. Mm-hmm. And so there also lies in the problem with my mom and for my mom is that she had to struggle with not only putting food on the table, but dealing with a, a sick kid who wanted to be Americanized. Right. So right? I didn't, are. yeah, I didn't want to be Vietnamese. I wanted right. to fit in. And uh, so that was really hard for my mom, I think, to try to instill within within me that Vietnamese culture and heritage and, you know, right. having the respect for your elders when all I wanted to do was have sleepovers and eat cotton right. candy and, <laughs> you right. know, listen to horrible music. <laughs> my mom would say it's horrible music. And she's like, there's no culture in these musics. <laughs> she didn't like, you know, New Kids on the Block or... <laughs> she, didn't like any, you know, she did like you know I mean I remember she did like Michael Jackson back in the 1980s oh, yeah. when he was big but um yeah. but you know she was accustomed to, to the Vietnamese music a lot of sure. folklore <laughs> right hey everyone just taking a quick break from this episode to talk to you about our book it's called hope and courage six life lessons from the parents of a child with congenital heart disease yeah we wrote it about our experience with our son Harding Um, But we also wrote it from just the knowledge that we've gained from specialists, heart warriors, and just other people in this whole CHD world. Yeah, we're really proud of this book. We worked really hard on it, and it was our 
Our hope was that CHD parents would read this book and just feel equipped for their CHD journey with their child. So if you haven't read it yet, please pick it up. It's on Amazon. And if you have someone who needs this book, make sure you tell them about it. Yeah, you know, and it's funny that you you kind of share that you were feisty as a kid. And, um, you know, that's something that uh, we've seen in our son also right i think uh we literally just got out of a feisty situation with yeah him. <laughs> we walked when right, we came in to talk to you right walked right out of that and into this <laughs> um and so uh one of someone from uh the icu cicu shared with us was just kind of like yeah you know the wilder the colt the better the horse kind of the idea that you know it's better that the feistiness is there and you know it I'm, means that they'll fight to yeah. live I am wondering how much of that is just like, you know, a a result of, you know, you having to fight for everything. You know, I think Mm -hmm. that's something that we've thought a lot about with Harding. It's just in our son is like, um, gosh, like nothing's, you know, things that are easy for other people are just not easy for, for CHD kids. And, uh, you know, like you said, gym class, walking, getting winded and, um, everything just takes a little bit more and, and that kind of shapes your uh, your personality and shapes who you are and how you interact with the world have you uh thought about that how like your chd and and how especially having you having struggled with it for six years before you got the, the surgery um do you think that had any impact on who you came to be absolutely yeah i think being stubborn um is a good trait for us mm-hmm. chd warriors and um, being independent and mm-hmm. not wanting to fit into this little box that you know people want to put us in, I think mm-hmm. that is uh, a huge part of our fighting spirit that keeps us motivated and alive and um, feeling free and feeling normal. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, and I bless Harding for for being the way he is because I think mm-hmm. in the in the long run that's going to serve him very very well. Yes. Yeah. Totally. We're gonna have him go stare at a wall for. <laughs> make make him stick his arms out idea. too, and and don't let it drop. Uh, I was like, hey, uh, it. Amy's great. It worked out well for her. I mean, let's <laughs> let's go try it out. Look at Amy. It well. <laughs> yeah. Go for it. Um, so you have become a huge advocate in the CHD world, and um, I know you're in the. And you've been so successful and as an author. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'd love for you to share a little bit about, um, some of your work in, in the CHD world and and some of your, what, what inspired you to become a writer and just things like that. I'd love to hear some of that. So let's, let's first talk about what got me to become a writer. And that really was, uh, when my mom passed away in 2017 from lung cancer, Mm -hmm. you know, again, she was my everything. And so when she, no longer existed. Um, I had that earth shattering moment where I'm like, what am I going to do with myself? And ultimately I decided to quit my career and take two years off to mourn and reset my life and figure out what I want to do. And God told me, you need to write your Mm. mom's story. You need to preserve Mm. your history. You need to honor her, um, by sharing, you know, what she went through. And in that process, I unearthed my own identity, you know, and understanding what it meant to be Vietnamese and what it meant to be a 1.5 generation refugee. 
Mm-hmm. So that's where the, the writing started. And um, getting involved into the CHD community didn't happen until, honestly, January of 2021, really, really recently. Mm-hmm. And that was because I was on a podcast called the Vietnamese Boat People Podcast. It just so happened that we mentioned that I had a CHD. And Anna Jaworski, who is one of the co-founders of the Heart Community Collection, she was looking for another Vietnamese CHD warrior. Mm-hmm. And um, Lisa Colville, who is also Vietnamese and a CHD warrior, happened to have heard of the Vietnamese Boat People podcast mm-hmm. and connected Anna and me together. And mm-hmm. I was on Anna's podcast. Um, that same day, Anna was also talking to Jenny um, to do a podcast. Mm-hmm. And Jenny Muscatel um, is a CHD mom. And the three of us decided, you know what, let's let's put together a, this heart community collection. Let's bring this community together, provide resources for, for the community. And that's how it started. Um, and now, as you know, we're heading almost into our second year. Um, yeah, it's as, been yeah, awesome. It's been amazing. You guys are doing such a great job. Thank you. And, and so, yeah, I'm learning a lot. Um, I am connecting with a lot of CHDers and their families. And it, but, but my journey is still very, very young. And there's so much for me to learn. In case our listeners want to look up, and we'll, we'll link it in our show notes to your books. But um, if you could give them, you know, the titles of the books if they want to look them up. Yeah. So the very first book is called Snow in Vietnam. Snow is my mom's name, and uh, it is the first book in a trilogy. So the Snow Trilogy consists of Snow in Vietnam, Snow in Seattle, and Snow's Kitchen. Snow in Seattle is really about our life in America as new immigrants and what that's life. It's hilarious, but it's also, um, you know, a lot of resolution and trauma. And then Mm -hmm. Snow's Kitchen is a novella and a cookbook. And the novella piece is really about me growing up as a teenager in that divide between the American culture and the Vietnamese culture. And then the the cookbook is the fun piece. It's got a bunch of recipes uh, from my mom and me. And uh, there's also a bunch of pictures as well of our family and of food. So (laughs) um, it's probably one of my favorite books. But uh, I've seen I've seen the pictures. And it makes my mouth water. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Amazing. That's Thank great. It, it is so true. I think that was what we dealt with a lot was when we um, were first diagnosed when Kat was pregnant and learned about her, our Harding's uh, CHD. And then when he was born and going through the surgeries, it was like, I think that one of the biggest things is just like, can we see a kid who has this? Can we see an adult, an adolescent? Just, we want to, you know, we just want to see and connect with people that have CHD, CHD, has gone through it, other parents. And uh, it definitely sounds like you had that, but then that added um, motivation to just like also find something that, find someone who's, who has the same culture and has the same background as you and, I think that is just, you know, I think, um, I think it's just such a, uh, an interesting, um, connection that I think a lot of people have, you know, and, and it's good that you have this, you're, you're telling your story and you're on, you're in the heart community collection and, um, just getting your story out there. Cause I really do think it helps a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, just one be inspired by you and your story, but 
just know that they're not alone, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's one thing that I would say is, you know, as a parent, you know, we're always advocating for our children, regardless of whether they are ill or not. Um, we're always advocating. And so for any parent out there, you know, it's scary. It's exhausting. It's, it's financially expensive. It's stressful. <laughs> but, um, you know, I would just say never stop advocating, never stop fighting because, I feel like everything is finite or there's milestones that we reach, you know, so we're not in this constant dark loop that just keeps going. And as long as we build ourselves um, or have a community around ourselves, you know, it, it makes things a lot less alone and easier to navigate. Yeah. 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 Community is a, is a huge piece. <laughs> yes. Um, so now, as an adult with CHD, um, and like you said, you just had the one surgery, correct? Yes. What is it like for you as an adult now? You know, do you get your yearly checkups? Like, um, are they still looking for something? What was it like to have a kid, and you know, and be someone with CHD? Um, you know, I will say that I haven't seen a cardiologist in quite a while. I, I did move to Oklahoma from Seattle four years ago. And with that move, it's like you get so busy mm -hmm. that you don't try to find your own doctor. Right. <laughs> so yeah. guilty. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I still have to take medicine when I go in to see uh, my dentist. I still have to be a little bit leery and um, really listen to myself and and tell myself to pause when I feel mm -hmm. like something's not right. And that's the hardest part, I think, is really trusting your gut and listening to your instincts about your mm -hmm. health and, you know, advocating for it. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, so far it's been, I've been lucky. Like I was, uh, when I had Preston, you know, I had a prenatal um, diabetic thing, but that mm -hmm. went away. And I was considered high risk just because I'm tiny and Preston was humongous. <laughs> he was, uh, I think, eight pounds, 12 ounces. And, and you know, I'm only 4'11". So there you go. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. um, but yeah, it's, you know, I just, when the pandemic hit, I will tell you this, when the pandemic hit, I didn't know how that was going to affect my heart. I didn't know whether I should get the vaccinations or not. Because you just don't know how it's going to affect you. And for the longest time, I, I put it off. I was like, I'm not going to do the vaccine. Mm -hmm. um, of course, I ended up doing it because, you know, it was just the right thing to do for me at the time. But um, mm -hmm. it was something that I did struggle with. I just didn't know how it was going to affect my heart. Oh, yeah. That was something we struggled through, too, with hearting. I mean, there was at the beginning, there's so much conflicting information and we were just kind of relying on the advice of his card cardiologist and like checking in with him regularly. Like, Hey, like has the ch science changed? Like, what do we do? Yeah. I mean, it was just like, you couldn't, it was just like, we had to, you know, we couldn't listen to our family. It's like, we can't really oh, listen yeah. to our family members. Can't really listen to the news. It was just like, went straight to the dot. We went to the pediatrician and doctor and said, what should we do? You know, what do you, what do you recommend is like school, not school, homeschool, vaccine, yeah. not vaccine. And, um, and we got those recommendations and we just, you know, rolled with it and it ended up being all good and all fine. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but yeah, there was a lot of, 
just a lot of uncertainty for everybody. And I can't imagine how complicated it gets when you, you know, have a, have a CHD also. How uh, is your son, uh, Preston, how old is he now? He is a strong 13 (laughs) and a typical teenager, you know, he likes his video games and he's starting to flirt a little bit. I know (laughs) you just wait guys when Harding turns 13, Um, but a true joy, you know, I mean, every step of the way there's, there's pros and cons to every age, but he's never given me a reason to to not trust him or to feel worried, you know, and I think as parents, we, we do our best, you know, to give them that life skills and the, and the foundation that they need to make their decisions on their own. Um, so Preston's got a long ways to go, but he's on the right track, I think. That's great. That's awesome. So um, a question that we often ask is, uh, so if there was a, a parent who was listening, who just recently received the diagnosis of their son or daughter or, you know, of their, of their child. Um, what, what advice would you give them? What, what would you say to them as a, as a person who has had a CHD and, and live with one? Um, do you have any, any advice or insights that you would share with a new parent? To, other than never stop advocating for your child, I would say that every single day, to do one thing that is intentional mm. towards either improving your child's health care or improving your own health care. Mm. Um, even if that one little thing is to sleep for two hours and let the world go by. Right. You know, I, I think we, I'm guilty too. Um, you know, you just go, 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 go. And you think if I don't do it now, something bad's going to happen. Right. Um, but life is going to unfold the way life unfolds and you want to be there, you know, so mm-hmm. that means taking care of yourself. And that's what my, my advice would be. I love that. That's like just finding one thing that feels doable. Tom's going to pull up the bag of questions here uh, that we do at the end of some of these episodes. But <laughs> one thing I wanted to bring up that uh, before we get into the bag of questions is I've noticed that we have something in common which is that we both like football ah. in particular NFL football. Aren't you the Bengals who, fan? Who day? Who day all day. I I've love it. Go Hawks. I know. <laughs> like she is, I know for a fact, she's a huge Seattle Seahawks fan. Oh, Seahawks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How, how did you, how did you feel about Russell Wilson ditching you? That's a good question. Uh, that might be another episode. <laughs> we need another 30 minutes for that. Right now, it's it's the whole in Gino we trust. Um, yep. You know, at the end of the day, I am not a fan of the player. I am the fan of the team. And yeah. what's right for the team is what's right for me, the number 12 fan, right? And okay. Russell's got to do his thing. It's, it's, it's a business. It's hard. I can't imagine yeah. the day when Joe Burrow decides he's going to leave. Like I might. Don't, don't say it. Kat. I might go through some kind of deep, dark <laughs> depression. Okay. So this is a fun little segment we do where we're just going to throw out um, kind of random get to know you questions. They can be a little, uh, they can be inspirational, fun, things like that. Um, but uh, I'll throw them out and just uh, let's see what we get. Okay. okay. What does your average weekend look like? 
Well, right now it's football, UFC, NFL, I mean, uh, Formula One, (laughs) and a little bit of writerly things. So I'm doing some ghostwriting and doing some editing. Wow. Okay. So uh, any, uh, any new books on the horizon? Yeah. So one just published called Asian Women Trailblazers Who Boss Up, and that mm-hmm. features 16 Asian women who have broken the mold and done their own thing. And um, I'm also ghostwriting a project that hopefully will be published by January, February timeframe of 2023. It's called The Copper Phoenix, and it is about surviving uh, sexual abuse and um, assault. So mm-hmm. that's a deep, heavy one. But yes, mm-hmm. those are the two books that are on the horizon. And then of course, being a publisher, I have a lot of authors who are publishing with Quillhawk Publishing. And we just released um, Len Tran's book, which is a memoir about his boat refugee experience escaping Vietnam as well. So lots of books. Wow. Man, that's exciting. That's so cool. I can't wait for these to become like movies one day. Yeah. Like I will watch like snow in Vietnam. That that's totally a movie. That will be, let's, that will let's be out there someday. Work on that, yeah. <laughs> I'm putting it out there. You know, it's on my it's on That's my right. dream board. It's going to be out there. I've spoken. Love this. it. I'm manifesting it. Um, okay. Uh, here's another one. What is one thing that's on your bucket list? What's the mm. most interesting thing on your bucket list? Oh my gosh, I've always wanted to see the aurora borealis. So living in Washington state at one point and having almost accepted a job in, um, in Alaska and then having a host student that we hosted for a year in Finland, we went to Finland and all these opportunities, but yet never have seen (laughs) the Aurora Borealis. (laughs) Tell us now, tell us when you go and we'll sync up our trips because that is on our bucket list too. Really? Yes. Let's yeah. do it. Let's see the Northern Lights together. I would love that. Love it. I would really, yeah, I'm, I really want to go to also, Alaska. People want to go to beaches and, and warm tropical places. I want to go where it is cold and quiet. We want, well, yeah, we want to, our, on our bucket list is to move to Washington. Wait, Washington state? Yeah. We love okay. Oh. Love yeah, it. that's our favorite. We go to Seattle every chance we get. We love we love Seattle. Oh my gosh. Well, I love Seattle too. So yes. I mean there every year. So let's meet up. <laughs> yes. That would be it. awesome. So if you had to make a rule for a day and everyone had to follow it, what would that rule be? Okay, I can go the serious route, but I'm not. I'm gonna say everybody needs to wear a onesie for the day because it is yes. the most amazing thing, <laughs> right? Just be comfortable yeah. in your onesie. And I get so much done, guys, in my onesie. I, I can write a whole novel in a onesie. I can oh, drink goodness. a whole bottle of wine. I mean, it just... <laughs> I mean, what kind of onesie is it? What's it decorated with? Well, I have a Wonder Woman one. I have a Seahawks one. I mean, yes. pick your poison. <laughs> now, I just saw a Bengals one the other day. And it took every ounce of self-control to not, like, click that buy now button. Tom, like, you know what's on the Christmas list. I don't think I would be happier. and <laughs> I well, wouldn't get over it. I would wear it every day. Kat is such a Bengals fan that she will be attracted to anything orange. It's true. Like, she'll be like, oh, we need to buy. Like, they could put 
a a Bengal like mascot logo on a hammer drill, and she was like, "We need this. <laughs> we have to have this." And I'm like, "That's no, a true fan for you." The, you I, I agree. About it, they, just, they slapped a Bengals thing on it. Exactly. Oh man, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm with the onesie rule. I mean, can you imagine? You couldn't rob a bank in a onesie. You couldn't. No. You couldn't commit fraud. You couldn't start a war. <laughs> you couldn't do any of those things. You would exactly. just. You would just be comfortable and happy. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Comfortable and happy. I Onesie, love it. Onesies are going to heal the world. <laughs> that that the there it is. That's the true key thing for world peace. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to write an email to Joe Biden. Yep. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll attach you to it. I'll put you on it. Uh, well, awesome. So, well, thank you so much, Amy. It was awesome talking to you, and really appreciate your time. Your story is so inspiring, and uh, it was great to hear about your mom. It's great to hear about your uh, work uh, in the CHD world, and just, um, just again, anytime we can see someone uh, who has CHD, like our kids and like the kids of our our listeners, it's just such an inspiration to see one who's living their dreams and doing so well and being so successful and it just uh it really really does make a huge difference so we really appreciate appreciate your time today thank you so much and thank you for continuing to do what you guys do i love that you have a book out i love that you guys are doing your podcast i listen to it um all the time so please don't stop you're doing so much good in the world thanks thank you really appreciate that so many great takeaways from our conversation with Amy, right, Kat? Yeah, I don't, I don't know how you can listen to that episode and not just be inspired. You know, her, her mom Snow is my hero. <laughs> yes. Like I can't believe everything her mom went through to get Amy to safety and get her to a place where she could be treated for her CHD and and get the help that she needed and and for the both of them to have a better life you know yeah she really exemplifies i think what every chd parent is you know Mm -hmm. like their child is a heart warrior and fights but you know it's the parents that are the ones that are often battling on behalf right Mm -hmm. and uh and we all do that in many ways and uh just to hear a really inspirational uh story where that's happening and uh yeah i mean no joke, that's going to be a, a Hallmark movie one day. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> like I will really, 100% really... go see that movie. Absolutely. But but you should buy the books. Yeah, go the buy the books. S- the Snow Trilogy, it's really, really good. Yeah, very good. You know, I think as I listened, you know, I tried to imagine how different parents would be hearing that. You know, I think mm. they're, the, the trap, I think there's a lot of traps with being a CHD parent. One of them is guilt. Oh, yeah. You blame yourself for your child's condition or mm-hmm. a turn in, in your child's condition. And you just carry this guilt like your CHD, uh, the, the, the CHD for your child is your fault for some reason. And it is not. It is right. not your fault. Right. That's one trap. I think the other trap is just comparing yourself to other parents and, and thinking, am I good enough? Should mm-hmm. I be doing more? Mm-hmm. Um, and that can just really be a challenge. And that's one of the biggest reasons why. Uh, about a year ago, we created a really great resource. It's the CHD Parent Profile Assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is just a way for parents to just try to understand the unique way they're wired. 
It's kind of like a personality test. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not super scientific. No, um, we're not. We're not professionals. Uh, we are professionals <laughs> in lots of things. We are professional CHD parents. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think it's mostly rooted in our experience mm-hmm. as CHD parents and just um, all the CHD parents that we know. And mm-hmm. the big goal there was not to put pressure on you to do more um, when advocating for your child necessarily, but rather just understand the unique way that you're wired and really just lean into your giftings or just the unique way that that you can be a parent to your child and advocate to your child. So the idea is there is just know yourself better mm-hmm. and lean into the way that you're wired because you can bring something to your child uh, that no one else can, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Do you want to maybe, Kat, do you think maybe you could just give a quick 30-second summary of, of that uh, assessment? Obviously, you can go take the assessment. We'll give you the link. but Yeah, it's it's on our website, TomaCatHanson.com. You can find it under the CHD Parent Resources tab. Yeah, it's a free download. And basically, you take a one-page personality assessment uh, and then... Based on the scores you get from that, it'll kind of divide you into one of four personalities. The first one is commander. This is the kind of person who is like naturally a leader, very strong-willed. Advocacy for their child comes really easily to them. uh, And they're often seen as kind of the tough parent, you know. Uh, The performer is seen as kind of the fun parent. Uh, they like to take their child on adventures, make sure people are happy in the room and make sure that people are making fun memories, even in the midst of, you know, the CHD journey. Um, the third one is supporter. Well, supporter is the person who is just a safe place for their child to bring their emotions, to bring their hopes and fears about the CHD journey. Uh, they are often supporting their child um, both physically and emotionally, uh, sometimes ignoring their own needs, you know, so that they can be there for their child. And then there's the researcher. The researcher is the CHD parent who is doing a lot of research. They want to know everything there is to know about CHD. They want to have the best of the best kind of products to take care of their child. They're the ones at rounds asking a ton of questions to the doctors. You know, they want to have all the knowledge that there is. Yeah. And uh, obviously, go check it out for more details. But what I like about that approach is that, you know, you don't have to compare yourself to anybody. You you are... uh, One of those is not better than the other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's literally just we identify what your skills are, your strengths and we identify what your setback, setbacks are. So what might be tripping you up in the CHD journey and how you can maybe strengthen those areas. Uh, but it's not meant to say, like, you, you're you a performer, but you should be a researcher. Like, it's not that at all. It's to make you feel good about the kind of parent you are and to help you clearly see what your strengths are, what you bring to the table, uh, so that you can feel confident in how you're caring for and advocating for your child. Yeah. And what's cool about it, too, is when you think about, uh, you know, uh, a parenting partnership or maybe 
you and uh, a grandparent or anyone, right? Mm-hmm. To talk, coming back to that idea of community, mm-hmm. that, you know, each person is different and unique. Mm-hmm. And when you have a lot of awareness of yourself mm-hmm. and you have a lot of awareness of people around you and you are valuing that and they are valuing you mm-hmm. and you're coordinating those efforts, man, you can really unlock some great advocacy for your child. Yeah, absolutely. It, it doesn't do any good to try to make the other person like you. You know, you want them to be them and be able to set them up to use their strengths well and vice versa. That that makes a great CHD caregiving partnership. Yeah, absolutely. So that's our big idea for you today is, you know, whether you take the assessment or not, and we hope that you do, it's really great. It's really helped a lot of parents. But the big idea is when you hear these amazing stories like Amy Lee's mom, Snow, who went to great lengths, uh, you know, crossed an ocean mm-hmm. for, for her child to give her the life that, that she deserved, you know, that it would inspire you to unlock the kind of strong, amazing, uh, gifted parent that you are and in a unique way and not necessarily beat you up or, or make you feel bad for maybe not... Uh, being exactly like another parent. It's not about comparing yourself. It's not about beating yourself up or guilt. It's about just channeling who you really are as a parent. That's our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening. In addition to this podcast, we have lots of other resources to help support, encourage, and equip CHD parents. These can all be found at TomandCatHanson.com. You can follow us at TomandCatHanson on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, please rate, follow, and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on. It really helps this project grow. With that, we'll talk to you next time.